Welcome to the Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover. Please discard unnecessary fees and expenses before going through security. Check your emergency fund at the gate and securely stow your well-conceived portfolio in the overhead bin. And when we reach cruising altitude, remember, you are now free to move about retirement. Hey everybody, welcome into the Retirement Pilot with Steve Hoover. Thanks so much for tuning into the program as we talk investing, finance, and retirement. And this go-round on the podcast, we're going to talk about some important retirement statistics that might be worth understanding. You know, Steve, sometimes numbers, figures, and stats can go in one ear and out the other, so hopefully that will not be the case this week on the show. But we've got a couple of interesting ones we're going to share from folks and dive into that. But first, how are you doing? You doing okay? Doing great. How are you doing? Hanging in there, having a pretty decent week so far. Hope that you are as well. Things running along smoothly so far in January? Pretty smoothly. Just kind of putting things together, hoping some things open up. and uh, <laughs> As we all do, right? Additional, do uh, some additional programs to get out and see people and kind of using this time to put in put in some good processes and things like that. So good. kind of trying to be uh, a little bit constructive right now. There you go. That's a good idea. Certainly when we have uh, such interesting times being constructive or proactive where we can is always a good idea. And of course, that's one of the reasons we do the show. So hopefully you learn something new or pick up a useful nugget of information. And again, you know, as I mentioned earlier, statistics can sometimes go in one ear and out the other. And so hopefully maybe some of these might underscore a problem that you might be facing or not even thinking about, or maybe somebody you know, or whatever the case might be. So let's dive into a couple and explore these. Don't worry, they're not too complicated, folks. So you can follow along pretty fine with these, I think. I like some of these from the standpoint that it gives us some thought into how we react to things. For example, this first one, Steve, uh, on the survey that was taken sometime in 2020, I want to say I think it was the second quarter, it said about 17% of Americans describe themselves as very confident they'll have enough money in retirement. So really only 17% out of all those surveyed felt like they were in good shape for retirement. Does that fit what you see or do you find that a bit you know, alarming? What do you think? No, that number sounds just about right. About 20% on average when I talk to people feel that way. And a lot of that has to do, they don't really understand and don't have a plan. So they really don't get to see any numbers. So that doesn't surprise me that they have that uh, low a number. As I said, mine, when I talk to people are about 20%. So, I mean, we're within the same, okay. same area. Yeah. But once you go through and you start to discuss with people what they have, what they have coming in, et cetera, by the time we get done with them, they're, I would say probably 40%, almost double are like, oh, I'm, I'm better off than I thought. Yeah, I was going to say that's probably the case, right? You know, this number being that low at 17% is often because people just don't really realize what they have. That's true. And they, they really haven't gone and looked at their Social Security that they're going to get. They're not looking at exactly what they're spending. And you project that out. So it, it really kind of comes down to information. And once they have some of that information, uh, they feel a little bit better about where they are and go, oh, well, we can adjust or we can. I guess what I'm saying is once they have a plan and once they have some information, they can make better decisions. And you're right. Probably on the survey, they just didn't know. And if they don't know, 
they don't feel secure. Yeah, very true. All right. So again, and there's an easy way to fix that because you can just come in and find out. And actually, my final statistic today is actually going to kind of tie back into that. So I'm going to save the rest of my thoughts and comments on that until we get to the to the final one here. So we'll move on for now, Steve. But uh, we talk often about longevity in retirement, the longevity risks, how that's a multiplier to all the other things that we kind of face, whether it's investing uh, risk or it's uh, interest rate risk or inflation risk. And so the average 65-year-old female currently is ha- uh, excuse me, has a life expectancy of around 20.7 more years after making it to 65. So again, about 85, 86, that tends to be where I think the mortality tables are at. So you're looking at at least 20 years, 21 years in retirement on average. Now, many people are exceeding that average and so you're, if you're not planning accordingly, again, you could wind up having some real issues with this. Does that kind of equate with what you see? Yes. And you, you can see that in some of the plans I've looked at for some people, they take their longevity out to, as you said, about 84. Right now, the longevity or the life expectancy for a female is about 86. So what happens is some numbers are put out there of, well, I'll be dead by 86. You know, my <laughs> right, mother didn't, right. my mother died at 70. My dad died at 75. You know, if I make it to 86, then I'll pr- I won't probably make it to 86. So the numbers stop there. Well, I kind of look at it this way. Let's, let's plan for the worst, which means you, you make it until your mid nineties right. and hope for the best that you have a good life expectancy in that and live well in that time frame. So you have to kind of project out longer life expectancy than what the statistics are, because who knows? I have a client who just turned 100 last week or excuse me, last month. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I have one who's 95. I have a number of them in their mid 90s and none of them ever thought they were going to make this far. I have some clients who are in their late 80s and they never thought they were going to make it into their 88, 89 years old. So what we have to do is we have to plan a little further out so that people have a better uh, understanding where they are because somebody who tells me, Oh, I'll be dead by the time I'm 70. Well, you know, we can't bank on that. So let's plan for something a little further. Yeah. And and I think we all have seen these numbers. We all hear these numbers, but it's another thing to actually kind of take it into, you know, a real thought and feeling about it. You know, my mom's turning 80 this year. So, you know, we start to get, the numbers start to kind of just, again, fly in one and in air and out the other. But if you really start to dissect it a little bit and realize that you could be looking at a much longer retirement than, and certainly longer than, you know, our, our family has, you know, I mean, my, uh, my dad passed away at 63, but my mom here is making, you know, she's getting ready to turn 80 and she's in really good health overall, knock on wood. Right. So you just never know to your point about the hundred year old client. So you want to plan for that longevity in the event that even if you have that mindset, I'm one of those people, I've said it many times before on programs. I'm one of those people that feel due to family history and my genetics and already some of the things I've gone through that I don't feel like I'll probably make it to my eighties, but I'm certainly not financially planning for that in case I'm wrong. <laughs> so that's true. Yeah. Let's, let's plan on you being wrong that you make it. Exactly. I mean, exactly. You know, it, it, you know, it, it, every person's different. Yeah. Genetics play in there, but you know, with medical advancements, take out this coronavirus uh, pandemic we have, which we'll all get through life expectancy going up because people, we have better, you know, medical services and people live a little bit differently. So I think yeah. there's a lot of that going on that we have to take into account. And if we plan ahead and, and 
you know, we make it 95 or so on. That's a pretty good life. And oh, yeah. we can make adjustments once we hit that. So that's just kind of, that's kind of how I do it. There you um, go. Shoot so. for a hundred and be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> that's right. That's the right way to do it. <laughs> All right. How about this? And this kind of, it goes along right with that, uh, Steve, when we're talking about these statistics, about 16 and a half percent of our current country's population is over the age of 65. So just, you know, doing the math on, you know, 300 million people, 16.5%, that's a good chunk of, of folks that are 65 and over, which obviously is part of why we have these ongoing conversations about the stability of Social Security and the impacts on the, you know, the medical industry and so on and so forth. And so we do have a, an aging population. Oh, we do. And that is absolutely true. That's why you see Medicare underfunded by $74 trillion dollars. Um, Social Security is underfunded significantly in the trillions as well. So you see more and more people. And the other part is, if we kind of go backwards and we look and, and see why is Social Security and even Medicare for that matter, so underfunded? Well, first of all, Social Security, when it was put in back in 1935, most people didn't live to 65. Most people died about 62 or 63 about the time your mother died and my mother died at 63. Usually that was the life expectancy back then. Nobody ever thought that people were gonna live into the late 80s uh, and keep drawing their social security. Same with Medicare. I'm, I'm, you know, when it went into effect back in the 60s, the life expectancy was nowhere near where we are today. So we have to keep those life expectancies in, in perspective. And that's why it's, it's putting a big strain on Social Security, on the medical field, because people, there are a lot of people, and there are 10,000 people a day turning 65, even now, which means 10,000 more go on the Medicare rolls every single day. So that, that will become a large, large segment of our population, people 65 plus. Right. And there has been a lull in terms of, of uh, you know, the, the growing age groups. The younger people aren't having as many children. So it, it's going to be an interesting dynamic coming up in the next 20 years. I can tell you that much. And it's not a uniquely American problem, the aging population. Uh, and I think sometimes we tend to think that, you know, we kind of have that singular view of our own country. But after World War II, obviously the baby boom generation is that for a reason. It's not just here. Uh, everybody went home, you know, that survived the war and was happy to be alive, right? Yeah. You know, so Japan has the same kind of problem. You know, many countries have an aging population. I think I saw uh, just at the end of last year, I believe, they raised their retirement age up to 60. Theirs is still below ours. I think it was 55 prior to that. So everybody is looking at, you know, how do we deal, you know, how do we address this ongoing you know, aging population. I think octogenarians are the one of the fastest rising uh, groups, and that's people that are a hundred. You know, so right. it's pretty wild. You know, when you think about that, so you got to plan accordingly. And, and in with that, Steve, you know, kind of goes right in line with this. Is my next topic is the medical expenses? They're going to continue to rise through this, and the average retiree is looking at about three hundred grand out of pocket. That's pretty. That's a good chunk of money there. That is, and. That that uh, fidelity, I think that may be what you're referring to. Yeah. Fidelity mm -hmm. did a study on that, and and it was it's it's significant. So, and that doesn't have obviously happen all at once. You know, some people think, well, I've got Medicare; it'll cover everything. Well, it, it, for the most part, it's going to, but there are going to be things that it doesn't cover. 
and you're you're gonna have to pay a little bit out of pocket for some of that and you have to plan for that um on top of that the one area that is probably the that is not included in that number is long-term care type facilities where you go and you know you have to go into the facility because right. you had a stroke or right. you have some, you know an alzheimer's or another dementia or you have a something debilitating to where you have to have care 24/7. And unfortunately the people who really need that are the ones that really couldn't can't get it now because they're in their late 60s, 70s or 80s and it's just too expensive for their their cash flow, but they're the ones at at risk. So we again we have to look at different ways to plan for that whether we transfer that risk to somebody else either insurance company or, or the state, as in the case of Medicaid, or we have to assume the risk, which means they're just going to have to pay for it for everything they have. They pay for it. And once they're out of money, they're out of money and then they have to go on to Medicaid. So yeah. that is the biggest problem we've got coming up on here. Yeah. And that's a great way of looking at that too. And if you think about this with our stats that we're talking about, so go back to that 65 year old woman who's going to live another 20 years on average. And to your point about the 295,000, just rounded up to 300,000, that's over the course of her retirement, for example. Some people might hear that and go, I, I, there's no way I'm going to be able to spend $300,000 in just 20 years, right? It sounds like you hear those numbers and it's, just doesn't seem like it's possible. And it's just the little things here and there, like the little expenses to the doctor's visits and so on and so forth, those out-of-pocket medical expenses. And to give you some more perspective, that number was 80 grand lower just two years ago. So, right. you know, which shows the skyrocketing, which we all know, costs of healthcare and medical care, especially as we age. Well, and that means more and more people are hitting the going to the doctor because as we get older, right. things start to go wrong with us. Exactly. And so what you have is more and more demand, which means more and more expense for the physicians. And they're going to have to pass that along to somebody. So it just kind of is just going to keep spiraling until I hate to say it until that one generation starts to fall off, um, because otherwise it's just going to get more and more demand. How many times have you you talked to somebody and said, well, I wanted to go to the doctor, but they said they didn't have an appointment until. January of 2022 and you're sitting in, in October of 2021. Right. Right. Five months later, I mean, that that happened to me not a couple of years ago. I had a really bad cold needed to go see the doctor and this was in January. And they said, we can see in April. I said, (laughs) well, I'll either be dead or I'll be through this. So what's the use? So it, it, as I said, it's going to be an interesting situation over the next 20 years of, of what happens. And, and part of that cost increases inflation with, right, with yeah. demand because that's just going to inflate the cost. Well, and so. it'll be interesting to see, as you mentioned, obviously the baby boom generation is the largest uh, section of the population, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. My generation, Generation X, and that's uh, people that were you know just under there. So like I said, I'll be 50 this year. We are the smallest one, and then the millennials are the next largest one. So 
uh, we'll see. You know, once you know one generation moves on, you know the system may be less taxed as Generation X gets into that uh, sixty-five plus range because there's not as many of us. But then the very next generation is going to have the same problem. The ones coming up behind the millennials will be faced with something similar because you know that's a large group of people as well. So it's something that's not going to go away. And so again, the onus always comes back to us to plan and put on ourselves, how are we going to get to and through our retirement and the multiple facets that go to it? So with all that said, let me do my final statistic here, Steve. And this ties back to the first one, as I mentioned, and we'll wrap this up this week. But 90% of people that were surveyed say that if you're over 60, a written retirement plan is probably a good idea and quite important, but only 20% actually go through the process of doing it. So there you go, right? Yeah. And a lot of times it has to do with people try to avoid pain. And they really just don't want to see the numbers. They they just are hoping against hope that that they're going to be fine. It's like going to the dentist and you assume you're going to get bad news, but you often don't. That's you know? right. You know, go through it. And there, there are things that we can look at and do. And if you at least, you know, you need to go with the numbers. You know, numbers don't lie. If you've got $100,000 saved and you're spending $200,000 a year because you have a high income and you're retired, you, you're not going to be able to live off that hundred, the same life expect, you know, lifestyle that you had. So sometimes you need to face reality of, you know, when you, you need to start saving as much as you can and, or cutting back on lifestyle. Uh, and people just don't want to hear it. They don't want to see it. They don't want to hear it. And they just stick their head in the sand and say, my long lost uncle is going to come along and drop me a couple of million dollars and I'll be fine. <laughs> right. And so that usually is not what happens. I've, I've yet to have that happen to where somebody just out of the blue had a, a very wealthy relative uh, leave them a bunch of money. Yeah. Or that mom and dad are going to leave you uh, a significant inheritance. Yeah, yeah. They may want to, but, you know, they, they're going to live into the late 80s, 90s. And they're probably going to have to spend it on themselves. Yeah, and very long, true. Old, if you're thinking you're going to mom and dad are going to drop you a half million million dollars, you better not plan on it because that may that half million million may be going to some type of facility to take care of mom and dad when they're in their late 80s and 90s. Yeah, it goes along with uh, some interesting statistics for sure. Just a couple of years ago, there was one that came out that said 27 people, 27 percent of people actually feel that the lottery is their retirement plan. Uh, so that's. That's that's shockingly true, actually. 27% of people think they'll hit the lottery and that will take care of them. Uh, and let, that is just no way to be. Let, let me let me give you a, a snide comment on that. Okay. That 27% can't do math. Yeah. <laughs> if they go back and look at the lottery, you have a better chance of being struck by lightning. Oh, yeah. Than, than winning the lottery or a, a significant portion of the lottery. Right. Yeah. And no, it's and it's staggering when you see that stuff. So that you know they poll a hundred people and twenty seven of them say, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the lottery and that'll take care of me financially. And that's just like wow, that is just so not probable. So do yourself a favor, folks. You know, plan for yourself. Don't rely on the government to do things for you. I know we have some government programs. Social Security obviously is a huge portion of our retirement planning process, and it's a very important factor. But 
If you can take the steps to minimize the impact of that and really put the onus, and again, that's what's been happening for years, put the onus on ourselves to plan properly for our own retirement. That's going to certainly help you along the way. And you're going to feel better if you go and get the numbers ran and find out where you stand, good or bad, because then at least you know, okay, I need to make some changes now that I found this out. Or hey, (laughs) I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm in pretty good shape. So either way, reach out to Steve if you've got questions. Before you take any action, you should always check with a qualified professional like Steve Hoover. He's a financial coach at Wealth Partners Corporation. 913-685-3207 is how you can call him if you've got questions about this topic or any other when it relates to your retirement planning process. 913-685-3207. Don't forget to subscribe to us here on the Retirement Pilot on Apple, Google, Spotify, or whatever platform you choose. Just type in the Retirement Pilot in the search box of any of those apps, and you can just subscribe to it that way. Or you can find it all at wealthpartnerskc.com. All right, Steve. Well, we're out of time this week, but uh, as uh, we're in January, the next time I talk to you, the Super Bowl will probably be over. And as of right now, you still got a pretty good shot at it. So good luck. I had a very quick heart attack on Sunday when oh my. Mahomes went out. Right. The, the supposed concussion. It looked bad, but he he's practicing. So we have a chance. If he doesn't play, we have no chance. Yeah, well, be interesting to see what happens. So good luck to you this week. And we'll see you next time here on The Retirement Pilot, folks. Uh, we'll be back in February with an all-new episode. So subscribe to the show, and we'll catch you next time. For Steve, I'm Mark. We'll talk to you later. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.